today we're going to be covering uh, part six of our untroubled. And I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I hope that it's something you've been conscious about and that as trouble has come into your life, that you've recognized that you don't have to just roll with the punches. That you don't have to just let life beat up on you. And, and sometimes we get out of bed in the mornings just expecting this certain amount of, of trouble in life. That the enemy is going to come in and deal with certain issues and we just kind of go through and kind of go ahead and numb ourselves down a little bit, put our heads down and move forward. And I hope that this has been a little bit of an awakening for you to recognize that God wants to be involved in some of these issues more than you even want him to. And that you've got to look, <clears throat> look up and, and see and invite him in. We've over and over looked at this truth, that in Christ we can live untroubled in a troubled world. And John 16, is our basis for this. Jesus has talked to his disciples and he says, I've told you these things. There's already a, a list of things that he's told. And it's stuff they honestly didn't want to hear. It was stuff about the fact that he was about to suffer and about to go to the cross and, and about to deal with some of the things that he was going to do for you and I and for, the, for his closest friends. For his closest friends, his closest disciples, the thought of Jesus dealing with that stuff troubled them, frustrated them, upset them. And so he tells them this in verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is one of those things that no matter which area of life we come at, we can take heart. Our heart will try to get away from us. Our emotions will try to get wound up and get out of control. Try to go in all sorts of crazy directions. But as we remember that He is with us and that in Him we can have peace, then we can begin on, th on that basis to begin to take heart. Remind ourselves. We looked before at David in his, one of his darkest moments begins to encourage himself in the Lord and remind himself of who God is and saw an incredible victory come out of it. Well, today we're dealing with something that can really rock us on our heels. can really throw us for a loop. You know, you, you have a work trouble and, you know, that there's a lot of tension right now. If you're oilfield related... There's a lot of tension right now. There's a number of you, I've, we've already prayed, and, and as you've gotten word that uh, there may be downsizing or layoffs and whatnot, we've already prayed and seen God move and, and shift some of you into different jobs. And, and it's troubling to hear that you may lose your job. Troubling without a doubt creates all sorts of hiccups. Most of us need every paycheck that comes to us. To think about going without a couple of them really rocks our world. But in deep inside, we have this understanding that it's not the only job on the planet. I can get another job. This is frustrating. It's difficult. may not know how to deal with my light bill, my water bill, and some of my other stuff. But it's, it's just troubling, but it's, it's stuff I, I can see a way out. I can see a way out and see it coming. This area uh, that we're talking about today sometimes can just blindside us and feel like we're just stuck. We're just so completely stuck. And today we're going to talk about being untroubled when health trouble comes our way. Some of the most difficult news to ever get 
is to go and get that report from the doctor. One of the most frustrating things you can have is to have your body begin to, to make some groans and have some symptoms and do some different things. You're like, man, things are off. Things are off. And all of a sudden, the wheels begin to come off, and, and health trouble all of a sudden begins to make all sorts of trouble. Like, okay, now with health trouble, there's money trouble. I don't want to have to pay for prescriptions. I don't have to do a doctor's visit. I don't want to have to do that. What if it's really serious? And all of a sudden, our minds get out of control. What if all of a sudden things can't take place? And so we're going to look today at how we begin the first steps, the first steps to see our health issues begin to be untroubled. And it's honestly, it's remembering who we belong to. That's where it begins. That's our first, our first step on this front. That in your notes we wrote that we can look to God for peace and healing when we face health trouble. You know, sometimes we just want peace and sometimes we just want healing. But we look to Him for both. So many times we say, you know what, I can be at peace when the symptoms are gone. I need the symptoms to be gone and I can be at peace. You know what, that's not necessarily true. How many people are in all sorts of twists and turns? Maybe some of you. Maybe some of you are in all sort, have all sorts of health trouble, and there's nothing wrong with your body right now. You're just afraid there's going to be. You're just fearful there's going to be. There's a place of operating in wisdom and doing things like exercising and eating right and taking supplements and doing those kind of things that are an act of wisdom. Just taking care of the temple, recognizing that, that making sure this functions to the best of our abilities is a, is a place of, of honoring the gift of this, this body, this mechanism that we live in. But then there's another place where you can go to where you are exercising and you're eating right and you're doing all those same things because you're fearful. That all of a sudden, that if you don't do all these things, that something, the wheels are going to come off and something's going to happen to your body and all of these different things. And we're not called to be led by fear on any front whatsoever. So folks, the symptoms, if you're in the middle of symptoms, I'm not playing it down right now at all. But I'm saying it's the symptoms aren't the big deal. You say, man, if I make the symptoms go away right now, I'll be at peace. How many times have people been healed of cancer? It's brought into remission by traditional therapies or, or annihilated by prayer and, and what we would call the miraculous hand of God. And then they immediately begin to live in a place of fear that it's going to come back. Peace, whether the, the, the cells are gone, the symptoms are gone, and the peace still isn't there. This deal with our health goes beyond our bodies. This deal with our health that goes beyond the symptoms. It goes beyond the way our cells and our systems function. It goes to this core root thing of can we trust God with it all? Can I trust Him with the whole thing? I want to begin to just lay some foundation. And 1 Peter 2.24 brings an amazing truth here. Says he himself bore our sins and in his body on the in this body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
We talk about that all the time. None of us can be made righteous by anything but by, by understanding what Christ has done for us. I am confident that I am heaven ready right now. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I've studied the Bible, not because I've done anything, but because of what Jesus has done for me and me alone. And if you have placed your faith in that, I am confident for you too. Not because of your ability to hang on to some gift of salvation and not because of your ability to work for it, but because of what Christ has done. Because of his completed work and you place your faith in that and that's the only thing that makes us right with God. That's it. That's it. And how wonderful if, if Peter, if that's all he wrote, that'd be wonderful. But it's not. He kept going. He kept going and reminds us that by his wounds, you have been healed. This isn't talking about spiritual healing. Jesus didn't come to make people who were spiritually sick healthy. We were spiritually dead. The Bible didn't say you were sick in your trespasses. It said you were dead in your trespasses. He came to make dead people, spiritually dead people, live in him. So when it comes to this place of healing, it's not talking about, don't try to over-spiritualize it. Don't try to get all deep. It complete, he talks about the spiritual part of it, stepping over from death into life. He already addressed that. So when he begins to talk about healing, he's talking about our bodies. He's talking about being able to trust him with this, this mechanism that we, that we need to, to function on this planet. And that part of what he was taking care of when he was there and he went to the cross and praise God he dealt with our eternity. Praise God he did with that. He did that. Praise God he did that. And that's where we start. But as we begin to study what he's done, it went beyond that. There's more to what was taking place on the cross. There's more that took place when, that, when he went into that tomb and he busted through there and death had no more hold. And that body that died and began the decaying, all of a sudden the settling processes, systems not functioning, any of that stuff not working, and newness of life came back to that body. He was resurrected from the dead. There was a promise for us that's not just for the someday, but it's for in this place of being able to trust him in this, that by his wounds we've been healed. James 5 gives counsel to us as you and I are dealing with life. Talking to the believers. And says, is any among you sick? He doesn't say, is any among you sick? Figure out what you did wrong because all of a sudden you, you, you totally jacked up and you brought sickness on yourself. No. We live in a fallen world. We live in this place where, where there's the things that represent hell itself and heaven itself. There are things that should not be here that are attack our bodies. And, we have, and we, have, we have health battles and health issues that come about. That's why he says, is there? It means that the presumption is, is that the believers are living in a place of health. He says, is anyone, is anyone among you sick? Then he gives some counsel. He says, this is what you ought to do. Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil and <clears throat> in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Again, this isn't, we can't over-spiritualize this. This isn't someone who is sick on the inside. 
with their bowels. There's, there's place for, for, for internal healing and restoration and, and deliverance of habits and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about are you sick? Now pray over them and anoint them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And then it gets into this stuff. And if there's some sin issues, they'll be forgiven. It's not that the two are correlated. It's that if that happens to be there in that individual sick, then they're forgiven. Mark 6, verse 3 says, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus rolls into his hometown. has been just rocking and rolling, doing cool Jesus stuff. People getting delivered. People getting healed. People getting an understanding about what's really taking place from God's view of, of history and what he was doing then and there. And he's teaching and, and he's just going around doing that. And Jesus rolls back into his hometown where he grew up. Jesus didn't fall out of the sky at 30 years old. He was born, he grew, he had cousins. He had his familia that knew him. His tios and his tias and all that fun stuff. That's right, I'm bilingual today. That was all of it. I couldn't figure out how to say burrito and taco in this, so, you know. <laughs> and so they, they took offense like man this is just our cousin this is just our brother this is just little jesus maybe it's the aunt that used to pinch his cheek this is just little jesus all of a sudden he thinks he's all that people are saying he's doing all this kind of stuff and i remember little jesus i remember him they took offense at him They're like he's just a regular guy i don't know what everybody's getting all wound up about and they took offense at him and then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He's quoting scripture there. And he said, and he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He couldn't do any miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Is it interesting that the writer here that Mark writes and he doesn't put this deal of sickness and healing in the area of the miraculous? You and I would. You and I would put it there. We tend to make a much harder, bigger deal about enjoying the healing that we have in it and we take it and we put it into something that's rare and spectacular and odd and stick it over here, and then we break down the scriptures, and he takes it out, and he puts it over here, and says, even when these people are kind of snubbing Jesus and not recognizing who he is, then he, he still healed the sick, and he still ministered to people, and he still raised them up. Well, some of the awesome miracles, their faith, and their engaging with him, did they put a limit, they put a deal on their interaction with Jesus? Absolutely, that's what the scriptures say. But folks, I think we need to understand that you live in what, if we're going to put healing in the miraculous, 
you live in the miraculous all the time. You know what the goal of every cold and flu bug is? It's to kill you. Every cold and flu bug. Ask someone who doesn't have an immune system. Ask anybody that doesn't have an immune system. They have to be shielded and, and take, take it off. That's the, that's the horrible thing of AIDS. That it takes what your body is supposed to do naturally to keep you healthy and to keep you healed. And it rips that away. And all of a sudden stuff that you and I bounce off of and don't ignore and come. And our body fights it off and we didn't even notice it. Much less when all of a sudden the fever becomes and all that. And our body rallies and we, we have a couple of days of achiness. And our body rallies to it and kicks it off. And we go back on like nothing ever happened. Why? Because you and I were designed to live healed. We were designed for that. Our bodies were designed for it. Doctors and nurses, their number one goal is to work with your body to get it to heal. Not to force it to do something it doesn't want to do on its own. That's their number one thing. They study how can we help it? How can we put it in the best environment? How can we give it the best, the best nutrition and the best resources and the best care? And if something's not functioning, how can we prop it up until everything else rallies together so that now this part can, can come in and be healed? Your bodies were designed for this. Your body was wired for this. That's why when we come to God when we're sick, we're not, we're not sitting there and we're seeking out some some wild and crazy miracle where simply want things to be the way they should be. That's it. Not asking for something bizarre, odd, weird. We're asking for things to simply be the way they should be. That's it. We need to get this on the inside of us. We need to recognize this. We need to carry this a step further. Because see, trusting God to untrouble our health goes beyond simply believing that he can heal. And to me, this is one of the most bizarre passages of the scripture to me. This is how when somebody gets in a certain mindset, all of a sudden they can miss what's under their nose. And as I am growing, I continually pray that I don't do this. Because what happens then is I can get concreted in a mindset and I can have an encounter with the scriptures, an encounter with the Holy Spirit and miss what he's doing. And we're about to see it. We're about to see this right here. Let's go ahead and turn to and, and roll in your notes to Luke chapter 6. It says, On the Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled up. It just, he had a hand, he had an arm, he had all of that. And it just nothing, nothing about it worked. And the Pharisees, who are a certain group of the super devout uh, Jewish people, they, were that, that, they would tend to be the, the ones who were in control of everything. They were super, super religious, super, super devout, tried to do everything just right according to Jewish customs. And the teachers of the law, these were the ones who helped people understand so they could try to do it just right, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus they were looking for a reason to accuse him. Isn't that odd? They're mad at him. They want to accuse him. They don't have anything. You ever had somebody in your life that dealt with you that way? 
You can do everything, love them, do just right, and they are just waiting for you to mess up so they can have something to whoop you with. And you make them mad every time you're nice and every time you're sweet and every time you do the right thing. You ever had an employer who just like they wanted to fire you? And every time you did what they said, it's like irritated them. That's how these were. They were just looking for Jesus to to mess up. They were looking for him to do so. They watched him closely. Well, that makes sense. They're looking for him. They're looking for something to accuse him. They watched him closely to see. Well, that's part of watching closely. They watched him closely to see if. There was a maybe in here. The if was he's going to do the naughty thing. We're going to get him. We're going to watch him closely to see if he would, oh, here it comes, heal on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. They watched him closely to see if he would heal. Has anybody ever watched you closely to see if you would heal? And I wonder, I'm sitting there. I wonder if he's about to heal. The only reason you watch someone closely to see if they will heal is you believe that they can heal. That's it. That's the only reason this makes no sense otherwise. These Pharisees that want to accuse him believed that Jesus could heal. But would he do it and break a rule at the same time? Is Jesus going to hug somebody on the Sabbath? Is he going to love somebody and give them an encouraging word? Is he going to write them a little note, tell them how awesome they are? Ooh, what a jerk Jesus. Because he did it on the Sabbath. This is what legalism and law and thinking that doing all of your stuff makes you right with God. It twists you up that much. How twisted is that? How twisted is it to hold the idea of making sure you don't take too many steps on a particular day and totally miss the heart of God to love and to restore and to be in people's lives and cause them to be better? How twisted does it make? It's twisted thinking. And they're looking at him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with a shriveled ham. Shriveled, not ham. That that ham was so overcooked. There was not any juice. It was the most shriveled ham you ever saw. And he spoke life into that ham, and it was plump and juicy. And they had lunch. No. Because that would have made the Pharisees mad too because they don't like ham. (laughs) I have no idea what I was saying. Yes, I found the shriveled ham. All right. And and so he looked at them and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was completely restored. Here it is. It doesn't work. Jesus says... Stretch it out. He might as well have said, give me high five. Give me five, brother. 
You trying to punk me here? Everybody's looking. These guys are watching. There's this place that the guy engaged. And if it was stretch out his hand, if he give him high five to shake his hand, to give him a hug, I don't know why he wanted to stretch. He just said, stretch out your hand. And the guy went to do it. Went to do something he couldn't do at the command of Jesus. And at some point, everything just fills out and everything worked and he was healed. Which should have been an absolute amazing thing for these guys. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they would do to Jesus. And the plot to take him to the cross began there. The plot to take Jesus to the cross with that core group started right there. So here are this group of people that believe that Jesus can heal and totally miss out on any of it. I wonder how many of them were hurting. I wonder how many of those Pharisees had a bad back or a bum knee or something going on in them. They had healing right in front of them. And they were so wound up in something else that they missed it. We're going to have to engage with God beyond this concept that, yeah, God, you're up there, and I believe you, and I think you can heal. That's a great thing to ascribe to God. But we've got to get to this place that God does heal and will heal. And it's not this sin that we have to be still that we have to be introspective and look for sin in our lives, but that He loves us and is our children. Matthew eight twenty three says, a man with with leprosy, came to him and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He understood his ability. He questioned his willingness. And Jesus didn't go, what kind of jerk do you think I am? You think I want you this way? Why do you question my... He didn't do that. He just said, I'm willing. And he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy, this decaying disease, left his body and he was made fully whole. See, we go from this place of understanding that he can, and what are you willing? And we have to be in to hear God speak into your heart that, yes, I'm willing, I want to move in your life in this way. And as we begin to wrap up, I want us to look at this last passage of Scripture. Because there's this place that God loves to involve and be a part of you and I being involved in this deal. Health trouble is difficult when it comes to us. It is. But you know what? Sometimes health trouble is even harder when it comes to somebody we love. Punch in the gut. How, I, I, I don't want, if you've prayed this prayer, don't, don't take this painfully. But there's some really well-meaning people who in a heart of compassion to say, God, just take that sickness from them and give it to me. I want to carry it for them. That's not the heart of God. He what you've seen. What's the whole thing gone? But none of us want to be sick. But we can hit a place where it is so painful to see someone else we love sick. We're like, I'll take it. I don't want to be sick myself, but if it means they're okay, I'll take it. It hurts to see someone you love. It hurts to see someone going through that. And it can rock us to the core of our faith. 
if we don't watch it. It can rock us to the core of who we think God is and what he can do if we don't watch it. Now, I want you to track with me right here in Mark chapter 2, and we're winding this up. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home, and they gathered such a large number that there was no room for them left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. He was inside of a house. A lot of people think, a lot of scholars think it was Peter's house. Peter lived in Capernaum, and they knew each other at this point. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. This man's paralyzed. He cannot move for himself. He could not get him. They didn't have the cool scooters we have now. He couldn't get himself there. Somebody had to do something on his behalf. And these people carried them to Jesus. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they did what all of us would do. They ripped open the roof. Sounds like logic to me. I can't get in. Let's tear the roof off. You and I do that all the time. No? Can't get in. Door's locked. What do you do? Well, sweetheart, I forgot my keys. Okay, we'll tear the roof off again. (laughs) This is crazy. Who tears the roof off? Who in the world tears the roof off? Jesus was an itinerant minister. They could try to find out where he was going to be next and get a front row there. Wait till he left and camp outside the door and be ready. Keep him ready. He's going to come out. We're just going to chunk him at Jesus. He's going to have to deal with him. They could have had some other plan. I don't know, but they decided to rip a hole in somebody else's house and rip the roof off. And digging through it, they dug a hole. This roof isn't just a little canvas thing up there. They had to, it's, it's, you look, it's, it's this word for dig. They had to dig through the timbers and the piled on mud and the layers and all of the different stuff. This was a big, hard, heavy roof because men were up there to be able to support and lower it down. And they dug a hole. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, They're so ready. They have a paralyzed buddy. They've gone to the insane extreme of ripping a hole in the roof. And Jesus looks at him and he's about to speak. And this is the moment. And they are pumped. They are ready. They're peeking down the hole. He's down in there in front of Jesus. Jesus is about to open his mouth and they're ready for the words. They're ready for what Jesus is about to say. And Jesus says, son. And they're like, yes. He didn't call him a name. He didn't call him a jerk. He said, I'm going to send you the bill for that roof. He just uses a term of endearment and calls him son. Yes, this is going exactly the way we want it to go. And he says, your, yes, your sickness, your palsy, your paralyticness, it's about to be gone. He's son, your, we're tracking, this is perfect. Your sins are forgiven. What? Jesus is like, he can't move. He can't, he, can't, he can't move, Jesus. We had to let him down through the roof, Jesus. He said, your sins are forgiven. And at that word, the guy didn't all of a sudden, his body quicken. And he'd pop up and say, hallelujah. Then that's not, that's not what happens right there. It didn't, ha- it didn't happen. He says, your son... He says, son, your sins are forgiven. 
He takes care of the most important thing ever first. Most important thing ever first. As we learn to engage with God, as we learn to engage with Him and understand that, that we're still learning how to walk this thing out, how to walk in healing, we're still learning it. We're practicing our faith. We're not perfect in this. We see wins and then we see things that make us scratch our head, but let's never, ever, ever get things out of order and let's do it the way Jesus did and let's let us, our understanding that our righteousness and our faith is in given by Christ and Christ alone and let that be the foundation of everything and we can add all of this other stuff. Don't let that come in and rock who you think God is and what he can do on the big picture. Don't you let the enemy come in and use a health battle to rock who you see God is on the eternal scale. The enemy will want to come and do that and use it as a tool to rock you and rock your faith. Jesus took care of the most important thing first and let us always keep the most important thing solid in our hearts. It says, now the teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. I've already done the hard thing. I've already done the impossible thing. That someone could really be genuinely forgiven the best they did what had was atonement the best they had was just things just kind of patted down for a year that's the best system that was under the old covenant said your son your sins are forgiven which do you think is hard which you think is easier he's already handled the hard thing and he says but i want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins what does he want us to walk away with that's concreted in us that our relationship with God can be solid and sealed by what Jesus has done. That Jesus came for that. He said, and I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And here is a man who can't move, lying on top of this thing. And he tells him, get that thing that's under you, pick it up, and carry it out. On the surface, that can seem like us taking that newborn baby and to say, um, go make dinner. You're hungry, you're crying, you want a meal, go, go make something. Groceries are in there. But it's not. Because as that guy connected in his heart, he moved. And healing came to his body and he grabbed his mat and he looked up at those friends up in that hole and he thanked God that somebody dared to take him up on a roof and tear a hole open in it and believe that Jesus was a healer. And all of a sudden something in the middle of that bigger than that got revealed that he's bigger than even healing, he's bigger than even something our bodies were designed to do that he can set the whole thing right in one fell swoop. And he picked up his mat and those people that were at that door that wouldn't let him in as... A, as a palsied guy let him out as a healed man and they parted the way and he carried his mat out 
And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Folks, I, we have compassion for people who are dealing with health trouble. We do. We see the scriptures, and we stand on them, and I pray for people, and I pray for healing, and we see healing take place on a regular basis. If we had time, I'd let the, if the butlers were here, let them tell you the, the recent story about Brent. We'd have the Francis's where the little one fell out at H-E-B just last Sunday. Conked her head hard at H-E-B. Eyes wouldn't track. Couldn't speak. Call us in a panic. By the time they get to the ER, doctor's like, she looks like a fine little girl. She's just playing, having fun. All's good. Seen restoration after restoration. Fast. Seen miracles in progress with a late attorney. Well, that thing tried to kill her. Tried to kill her. But it's not. She's f- going to be fully restored. And you know what? The enemy in the middle of that, you know what he wanted to do? And praise God, the attorneys are solid. They'd feel the enemy come in and go, you say you got a good God. You say he's all that. Why is your baby in here hooked up to these tubes? Come in and try to mess with you that way. Try to get to this root deal. Try to get what Jesus dealt with first and try to root that out. Try to deal with it. Let's never let our health troubles, our financial, anything else get in the way of that big picture. That he came to set us right and we have that concreted down. We grow out of the assurance of who we are and what he's done for us and the other stuff can mature and grow out of it. And our healing and all of the other stuff. We were supposed to have a business meeting. We're going to postpone that until next week. If you're new here, this was a little bit different sermon for me. And so, uh, but there's something, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something really awesome this morning. And uh, I want Dave Levesque to come up here. Dave's one of my dearest friends. And uh, Dave was our worship leader when we started here in the movie theater and rock and rolled and played those first chords and sang his heart out when there was five people at 10 o'clock in the morning here and everybody trickling in. Don't look at each other. You're late too. Don't act like that. (laughs) And Dave worshiped full out, led our team, acted like there was everybody here and worshiped. So when people walked in, they were engaged and it was already here. Made our children's ministry begin to get online and bring life and help make it what it is. And, and then one day, just out of nowheresville, body started misbehaving, which is frustrating. Dave's a go-getter, do-it guy. Got stuff to do for the kingdom. His body started fighting praying, things not responding, talk to the doctor. And the only thing more frustrating than getting a report from the doctor is not getting one. The doctor saying, I don't know. And report after report after report coming back going, I don't know. I don't know. To the point you're like, somebody find something. I want to be able to pray against something. But tell you, don't tell me you don't know. And then it gets to this place that it's just total and it's frustrating. 
they've still not feeling good 100% yet. feels better. It's progressive. He's up here worshiping and praising God. Let our small group on Thursday for our young, our young adults. Still engaged, still making it happen. And I want two things to take place this morning. I want us as a congregation, we're going to pray over Dave. And then I want Nat Turney, and I want Jeff, and uh, Whitakers. Come here. The Whitakers know what it means to deal, face head-on health issues, health trouble. Stand and not let, let it be shaken, that core thing. The Turney family knows what it means. To know that God loves you and is good and stand in the middle of it. Well, this guy on my elder board, Jeff, has quietly dealt with health stuff. Understands what it means to look health trouble right square in the face. Have the enemy try to come in and uproot. Our God's a healer. He is. He is. What the enemy wants to do in our struggles is to try to attack his love for us the solidity of our of our of our salvation and our rightness with him and try to come in and, and, and deal with all this stuff we're going to pray for him and then i'm going to have all of this team up here to be here to pray for you we'll release you can go if you need to go but if you need prayer you're dealing with health trouble and everything feels like the wheels are coming off they're going to pray for healing and they're also going to pray for the steadfastness of your soul you're going to be able to have that concrete thing down deep on the inside of you. You know who God is and who you are to him. And you don't sit there and wonder, God, are you just, just mad at me? Am I still dealing with this? Can I did something wrong. I mean, a lie to you. Lie to you and make you feel like you're not loved the way you're loved. That's a worse crime than having something going on in your body. Oh, it makes me mad. You're so loved. These guys are so loved, and they know it. So y'all just agree with me. <laughs> Annette, kids, get over here. Here, just get in the middle. Heavenly Father, we're just operating in a response to your word. Lord, your word tells us, Lord, that uh, Lord, if anybody is sick or dealing with stuff, that we just call for, Lord, that uh, those that uh, are seasoned in the faith, those elders, those that understand who you are and what you've done for us, when they hands on them, the prayer of faith raises them up. Heavenly Father, so right now we speak life over this body. We speak life over Dave Levesque, Heavenly Father, and we tell his cells, we tell his systems, we tell everything in there to straighten up and to act in accordance with the covenant that, is, that he has. Lord, we speak life over him in Jesus' name, and we come against every attack, everything that tries to come in and try to, to put seeds of doubt and frustration. And, and Lord, we just come against all that. Lord, just the relentlessness of it that has just made him, tried to make him weary. Break that off in Jesus' name. And we just thank you, Lord, for you raising them up, Heavenly Father. 
It's your job to do that, and we just, we just look to that. Lord, and we pray over this family, Heavenly Father, that love him so much and have been in the middle, and we know the frustrations of having someone you love so dearly deal with health trouble, Lord. And we just call them lifted up and encouraged, Heavenly Father. We come against those seeds of, that the enemy would try to put in and bring doubt and discouragement. We come against that. This is a faith family, Heavenly Father. And I just thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, for that, for Annette, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing in them, and we look to you for the results. Lord, you're our God who makes us right. You're our God who heals us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if y'all would just be here and if y'all would just be as a pray as a family just minister as a family if you don't mind and then Nat if you'll come up here I'm just going to pray a prayer Jeff and Mitzi if you'll come up there um, and then Cutie and I will be down here as well I'm just going to I just want you to stand up and I'm just going to go ahead and pray a prayer of release we've gone way longer than we normally go if this is your first time we're over five minutes ago I mean 15 minutes ago so but this is a little different, and I thank you for your patience. But if you need prayer, then I want you to just come. Just come. Just grab somebody and just come. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who heals us, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus we're made right with you. And, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, that as you looked at that palsied man, you took the first step, the most important thing. And that forgiveness is taken care of. I thank you, Lord, that's just sealed in all of our hearts. Forgiveness is taken care of. It's provided by you and what you've done. And that in that process, Lord, healing comes. And we are grateful for that. So, Lord, I pray blessings over all of those that are here this morning. Lord, I just pray blessings as they go out of here. And, Lord, that they would be stirred up to live untroubled. Because the enemy and the world will have trouble, but in you. You've overcome the world. We have peace. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.